You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. All right, we're going to kick into uh, the next part in our series. And uh, when Steve and I were living up north, we were living in a little town called One Tree Point. Any Whangarei crew up there, just want to say hi to you. This was in the season that we were pastoring our Whangarei campus, which was one of the greatest seasons of our lives. But it took us 30 minutes to drive from home into town or into church. And um, one day I was heading into church, so I popped Judah, who was 18 months old at the time, around about, popped him into his front-facing car seat, and we took off and drove through the country road. And on the way between home and church, there was a very large roundabout, uh, about 20k, uh, 20 minutes out from church. There's a really big roundabout. It's one of those roundabouts where you kind of lean as you go round because it's that big. And you know when you've got little kids in the car, as you lean, you're like, whoa, as you go around. So Judah and I were doing that as we went around the roundabout. And he was squealing with glee, having the time of his life. He must have been really loving my my fun mum driving noises, you know. Anyway, as we get to exit the roundabout, I just take a look in my rearview mirror, you know, just to check on my child because I'm, you know, wanting to know that he's okay. I look in the rearview mirror and he's not there. Like he's, I, I double take. I'm like, wait, where'd he go? He, he's gone. He is not there. Where I put him, he's not there. He has disappeared. But I can hear him. He is giggling and laughing and having the time of his life. I, of course, panic and pull over the car and turn around to find that his whole entire car seat has flipped upside down and is wedged between the front seat and the back seat. And he is just dangling upside down, <laughs> laughing away, just loving every moment of it. I had strapped him into his seat, but I had forgot to make sure the seat was strapped into the car. Well, I felt awful, didn't I? I felt like the worst parent in the world. Like, that is an epic parenting fail. You can't forget to strap your child and then they go flying in the car. Like, that is just the worst thing ever. And as I was preparing for this message, I started to think about my parenting fails. Interestingly enough, the list I came up with all happened to happen to my first and eldest child, Judah. (laughs) Our poor little experiment. Any other parents out there make all their mistakes with their first child? We need to pray for first, for oldest kids. Any oldest kids in the room, we'll pray for you now. uh, Forgetting to pick him up from daycare. Accidentally giving him food that he's allergic to multiple times in his life, causing him to throw up everywhere. Forgetting to feed him. Losing him at the shops. Losing him at church. Not believing that when he says he's sick, you know the old, go back to bed and don't come out unless you're dying. <laughs> well, then he throws up everywhere. Like, I mean, the list goes on, and you and I could probably sit down for a good few hours and have a chat about our parenting fails as the years have gone on. We are all imperfect, aren't we? There's no such thing as perfect kids. There's no such thing as perfect parents. We are all imperfect. And yet, smack bang, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, we read a commandment where God speaks to the relationship between parent and child. Coming in at number five, Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother. 
so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Well, that's a little different to the ones we've had so far, isn't it? Like so far, we've had a long list of do nots. It's been do not, do not, do not. And then we change it up a little bit. And here, it's, this is not telling us what we, are, what we don't do. This is in fact giving us a very clear instruction about what we need to be doing. And as I read and thought about this commandment, I realize it tells us a few things. And the first thing that this commandment tells us is that God thinks family, as broken as it is sometimes, is really important. God thinks family is really important. And when I say important, I mean like it was the first relationship he addresses in the Ten Commandments after he addresses man's relationship with God, he goes on to address, first and foremost, man's relationship with his parents. Like, I would have thought there would have been some relationships that trump, like some, some commandments to do with relationships that trump that one, like do not murder. You know, like that one to me sounds like a pretty key thing when you're, you know, talking about human to human relationship. But this one, came first. This one, God wanted to address first and foremost the relationships among family. He considers family to be incredibly important. We also know that God considers family and this commandment to be incredibly important because it is the first and only commandment in Scripture that carries with it a blessing. It's the only commandment with a promise of blessing. Honor your mother and your father so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. Now, God, we've got to understand, this was a prime prize for the Israelites. Like, to, to have a long life and inheritance of land was like, that was top notch, you know? That was really, that was a deal breaker in those days. It signified to everyone God's blessing and favor over you. This commandment is super important to God. Like he considers family to be that important that it's this particular one he chooses to assign a blessing to and no other. It's really interesting, isn't it? The second thing I noticed about this that this commandment tells us is that God designed families to be multi-generational. He designed our families to be multi-generational. Let's look back at when God first established this unique design of family. When God created Adam and Eve, he made them in his image and he declared in Genesis 2, he said, that's why a man will leave his own father and mother. He marries a woman and two of them become like one person. He then goes on to tell them to multiply, to fill the earth. And then in Genesis 12, we meet a man named Abraham, who we later know um, God changes his name and he becomes Abraham. And to Abraham, this is what God says. He says, leave your country, leave your immediate family, your relatives, and go to the land I will show you. I will bless you and make your descendants into a great nation. You will become famous and be a blessing to others. Right now, when God is giving this promise to Abraham, or Abraham, he is a 75-year-old man with no children. And yet God is telling him, you're gonna have a really big family. Like your family is gonna span generations. In fact, God takes um, Abraham outside and says, take a look at the stars in the sky. That is the number of the, of the, the, the descendants that I'm gonna give you. They are gonna outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And then from that moment on, Abraham 
gives, uh, um, Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac becomes the father of Jacob. And there's an interesting thing that you notice about the way the Israelites speak of God for generations after that. They describe him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They talk about him as a generational God, a God where generation after generation is built on the things of God. God was establishing his plan for family, and he was establishing that there were generations that would build into the next generation. And I love that this church is a generational church. I love that the history of this church has been generation building for the next generation. And I love as the next generation that I can look back and look around me and see the generation that went before me standing there walking alongside us. But there's a warning in Scripture that comes in a very sad verse, I believe, that's found in Judges 2.10, which is a sad verse in Scripture where it says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge or remember the mighty things that God had done for them. And what we, we don't know exactly what happened, but what we do know was that one generation did not glean and learn the things of God from the previous generation. Something went amiss. In Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, it says, fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when, they sit at, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. It is my firm belief that the Word of God teaches us that there is never a time when an older generation becomes obsolete or redundant, obsolete or redundant. There is also never a time when a younger generation uh, shouldn't be plowing new ground for their own generation to walk in. See, where one generation plowed ground, the next generation walks in it. And when one generation has to plow new ground, it's the previous generations that lends them the tools to do it. God is a generational God. And His plan for families and churches is that they be places of generational building. Okay, so this is really important. This is an important command, an important time in Scripture. But what does it mean to honour? What does honour mean? Honour in the Hebrew, which is the original language that the Old Testament was written. The Old Testament is where we find this commandment in Exodus, and we also find it in Deuteronomy. The Hebrew, um, honour in the Hebrew means to be heavy, to be weighty, or to be great. And then if we look at honour in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, where we actually find this command repeated several times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Ephesians, honour in the Greek means to estimate or fix a value. See, what I want us to know today is that honour means we give weight to something. If something carries weight, it means it's got value. And if we want to honour, it means that we must not treat something or someone in this situation as commonplace, but instead we are to give them value because they carry a great weight. 
And when it comes to honouring our mother and our father, those parental roles in our life, we are to give them value because those roles and positions carry with them weight. So how do we honour? Let me start by saying this. The third thing that I've noticed about this command is that we never outgrow honour. We never outgrow honour. We never outgrow honour, but we can, we can grow up in the way we show honour. We can grow up in the way we show honour. See, just as we grow and change, so does our relationship with our parents grows and changes, doesn't it? We grow from child to young adult to adult, adult. I was trying to think of like, how do you describe a difference between a young adult and an adult? They're like an adult, adult, like a fully grown adult. And we grow, don't we? And as we grow, the relationship that we have with our parents, it changes. And I want to tell you today that as our relationship changes, so does the way we honour them. The way we honour also grows as we grow. There are three stages of honour that I want to speak to today. And the first one is this. As children, we show honour when we trust and obey. When we trust and obey. While we were living up north, Judah was around four years old, Rocky around 18 months. Uh, We had a trampoline outside. And it was about autumn time, I think. It was just after dinner time. And I was getting the dishes sorted. I was getting everything, the house back in order. And I'd left the two boys playing in the playroom. Now, we had two rules about that time of the night at that age. The first rule was that the ladder to the trampoline was not allowed to be left against the trampoline, just in case small people climbed up it without adult supervision. The second rule was that the boys were not allowed to go back outside after dinner time. They had to stay inside because it was time to wind down for bedtime. The other thing that happened that evening was that I had asked the boys to please close the ranch slider to stop smaller boy from going outside to break, you know, and break rule number two. Now, unfortunately, all three of those rules and instructions were broken that night, leading to 18-month-old Rocky climbing up the stairs that were not supposed to be there, onto the trampoline, walking around the outside of the net and falling off, breaking his arm. Listen, obedience has its benefits. Am I right, mums and dads out there? Obedience has its benefits. And the most obvious way for children to honour their parents is to obey them, to do as they say. Like it's that simple as children. Honour as children is basic in essence. It is simple and clearly defined to obey and to trust them, to trust that they're the grown-ups that they know what's best for us, that God has given them the job of being our parents, that they know what is good, that they have our best interest at heart, that they have our safety at heart, and that their heart and intention is to lead us to the best places for us. But as children hit their sort of teens, late teens, and enter into their 20s, uh, all of that begins to change, doesn't it? All of a sudden, they're growing up. All of a sudden, they're becoming independent. They're becoming, I've got a 12-year-old. It's like having, almost having another adult in the house. I'm like, what, you're, you're, this is like weird, this is strange. But he's in that changing, growing season. He's making decisions. For, we make decisions for ourselves. We begin making decisions about our future that will affect our future. 
they, they begin learning and making mistakes. They begin stepping out into the world all on their own. I stayed up until past 10 o'clock waiting for my child to come home on Friday night. Like, what is this season? It's very strange. And as parents, as they change and grow, so does the way that we honor our parents. We move from a simple trust and obey as children to, as young adults, we honor when we show value and respect. We show value, we honor through showing value and respect. I can remember sitting at the dining room table in my teenage years doing some geometry math homework. And I can clearly remember my mum coming up next to me to offer her help and advice as I was clearly having difficulty. And I remember saying to her, Mum, leave me alone. Like, get out. Like, what would you know about circles? It's not like you had them in your day. <laughs> the teenage years are interesting, aren't they? Like, we think we know it all when we were a teenager. But it is, in fact, in this phase that honor begins to change. And it actually looks like a valuing of our parents' wisdom. It looks like valuing their advice and their guidance and their experience. It means a respecting of the God-given authority that they, have, that they hold. It means a respecting the position that they hold, respecting their opinions, respecting the history that they have, respecting the knowledge that they have. And so if we are going to honor our parents in this phase and season, then it means things like asking for their opinion. Whoa, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Asking for their opinion, listen to their advice, consider their point of view, say thank you for their advice and for their thoughts, and for their help. See, as a child, honoring meant simple obedience. But as a growing young adult, it's interesting that honoring may not actually look like agreeing with everything and doing everything our parents say. Wait, what? How can I honor my parents and not do every single thing they tell me to do? How can I honor my parents and yet choose something different. See, obedience is an action that reflects honor, but honor itself is actually an inward attitude. It's an inward posture that we live our daily lives carrying, and it is not limited. The, the manifestation of that, the outworking of that, is actually not limited to simply obedience. In fact, we can still show value and respect to our parents while making decisions that they wouldn't make, while choosing a way for us that isn't their choice for us. Parents, there is actually a lesson for here for us too as well. Honor doesn't mean as parents that we can control our growing young adults every decision and choice. As much as we would like to sometimes, as much as that sounds really tempting, but in fact it is possible for our children to both honor us and make decisions that we didn't choose for them. It is possible for them to honor us while making the best decision for their growing adult life. As long as their inward posture still reflects one of honor, still reflects an attitude of value and respect, then we must believe the best in them. We must believe that even if it's a decision we wouldn't make, or even if it's different to the advice that we have given them, 
that they can still honor us in the lives that they are living. But then we near full grown, like grown, grown, adult, adult, that real adult stuff, you know, that we, we enter into that phase of life. And as we grow, our parents are also growing older and our parents enter into a more elderly phase of life. And then honor begins to look different again. Honor in this season looks like this. As a grown adult, we show honor through appreciation, care, and time. Through appreciation, care, and time. See, we can honor our parents by showing that we appreciate them. That we have appreciation for the love, the time, the wisdom, the care, the self-sacrifice that they have raised us with. We can honor them by saying thank you, by showing thank you, by feeling thankful. Remember, it's an inward It's an inward attitude. We can do that by taking care of them, by helping them when they need help, a doctor's visit, a mown lawn, a grocery shop, a heavy lift, technical support. It's probably a common one these days. (laughs) A hospital appointment, caring through illness. All ways we can honour our parents as they grow into their elderly years. My granddad passed away a couple of years ago in the UK and for the last stages of his life he was in a wheelchair. My family over there took amazing care of him and they would visit him every week and they would take him out for lunches or take him out for outings or have them over at their house and there was one particular occasion when my co- one of my cousins was going to go and have lunch with Granddad that day, and he was bringing a meat pie to heat up at Granddad's flat. But when he arrived at the flat, out rolls Granddad in his wheelchair, ready, keen, excited, and expectant that they were going out somewhere. So my cousin was like, oh, okay, all right, and hides the pie, quickly shoves it back in the car and says, okay, all right, we'll go out then. So takes Granddad down to his local pub. And now they've had their nice steak lunch. I think Granddad ordered the most expensive thing on the menu. Uh, They have their nice steak lunch, and my cousin takes them up to the counter, and my cousin goes to pay. And they were actually experiencing some difficulty with their FPOS machines that day, and so they couldn't take anyone's payment. So what they were doing was they were taking names and numbers, and then they were going to call later to sort out the payment. Very trusting. A little too trusting. My cousin wrote down a name, and then quickly turns and as fast as he can wheels my granddad out the door. Granddad's like, oh, that was a very nice lunch, was it? My cousin said, yes, and I hope you really enjoyed it because it's the last time you'll ever go there. I couldn't believe it. He gave a wrong name and number. Now, listen, full disclosure, I do not condone this behavior at all. He obviously didn't listen to number eight, do not steal. And I told him that I did not think it was appropriate to steal the lunch and also then make my 95-year-old grandfather into a fugitive and a thief. (laughs) Maybe that's not such a great way uh, to honour our parents, but listen, taking them out for lunch, paying for their lunch, (laughs) spending time with them, chatting for no reason, picking up the phone, giving them a phone call, listening to their stories as we may never hear them again. Spending time, care, and appreciation. I'm going to get the keys up now. The fourth thing I want to say, though, about honour is that honour has a place among dysfunction. Honour has a place among dysfunction. I cannot share a message like this 
without acknowledging that not all family settings are happy and healthy. There are families that are dysfunctional. There are families that are abusive, whether that be physically, emotionally, or verbally. There are families that are broken. And I'm sure many of you sitting here today have, can see dysfunction among your own family. It might comfort you to know that the Bible is riddled with dysfunctional parents. Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Job went bankrupt. Like, let's be honest, there is a lot of dysfunctional families out there, and not all parents are easy to honour. That's just the truth of today. And I understand how hearing a message like this while your family lies in tatters can be incredibly difficult. Honouring an absent or abusive parent can sound impossible. But I want to take this opportunity to remind you that our God is in the business of redemption and restoration. And I believe that this commandment is actually a key in bringing redemption and restoration to our families because God blesses what we honour. It is a biblical truth. God blesses what we honour. It is the only command with a promise of blessing. And I do not believe that it is a promise that is limited to the day that it was written. If you want to turn around in your relationship with your kids, choose honour. If you want to turn around in your relationship with your parents, choose honour. When it doesn't make sense, choose honour. When you don't feel like it, choose honour. When you don't think they deserve it, choose honour. And then trust. Trust that God is faithful. Over and over again in Scripture, it says that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. That he is not like us. He doesn't say one thing and then change his mind. He is a faithful God. Trust that he doesn't go back on his word and that he will bring the promise of blessing into your life that he promised about our honoring. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this commandment. God, I thank you for what it teaches us about you, about your love and about your care for us. And Lord, we just take a moment right now to say thank you for our parents, whether they are still here with us or whether they have passed away. We thank you, Lord, for the parents that you gave us, whether they were an exemplar, exemplary parent or whether they struggled with their parenting. God, we say thank you for the parents you gave us. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that you would teach us and show us what it means to honour them, what it means to honour the parents and the parent-like people in our world, that we would be able to show them honour through every season of our lives, that we would be able to grow up in the way that we honour, that we would be able to care and give time and show value and respect, oh God. Lord, I pray for broken families in the room today. Lord, I pray for those people sitting in the room that are just have got some really difficult relationships between families, between parents and kids. Lord God, I pray that as they make a decision to choose honour, 
Lord, that your redemption plan would begin to outwork in their lives. Lord, that you would begin to restore broken relationships, God. That you would bring blessing over them as they choose to fulfill and honor this command in their lives. We thank you for your healing power that can work in any and every circumstance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to do one more thing. I'm just going to ask you, just every eye bow, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to do one more thing today. I would love to speak to those who maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online and you don't know God. You're sitting in this place today and you're saying, Bex, I've come to church today, but this church thing isn't really my deal. But you know today that there's something about what is going on here that's moving you right now. This is your day. You know today you need to get your life right with God. He loves you. And he created you with a plan and a purpose. And he wants nothing more than to walk in relationship with you daily. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And I want to invite you, every single one of you, online as well, to pray this prayer with me. The problem with us, the difficulty with humanity, is that we all try and make our own version of what's good. And so we go about it our own way. We do our own thing. And often it's against God's way and God's thing. And we make those mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. And it also says that sin separates us from our loving God. It causes a, a gap between, and we, we cannot bridge the gap on our own, that gap of relationship. Until God sent his son Jesus to come and live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death, that you and I could come back and be reconciled with God, come back into relationship with him. And today, He's inviting you, extending that invitation for you to come back and be reconciled to the Father today. We're going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray along with me. You ready? We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose this day to live for you. Would you come into my life and make me brand new? Thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for me. I choose today to become a Christian and begin a brand new life with you. In Jesus' mighty name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to be able to see and acknowledge who I prayed for. You can do this online as well. There's a button coming up that says, I raised my hand. And I want to encourage you, if you're, what, if you're in the room today, I'm going to count to three. I want you to be really brave. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to stand you up. This won't be embarrassing at all. All I'm going to ask you to do is lift your hand so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can drop it straight back down. Are you ready? One, Two, three, you can lift your hand now. Thank you, awesome, I see you, yes. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, would you count me in? Yeah, I see you down there. You're saying, Bex, count me in, I prayed that prayer. Maybe for the first time, two people online, I see you. Thank you, awesome, awesome. Three online, thank you. Anybody else, you're saying, I prayed that prayer, maybe it wasn't the first time you prayed it. That's okay, awesome, yeah, thank you. God, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer. Lord, I thank you for, um, for the, the love that you have for them. Lord, I thank you that you've got the power that can transform our life, that can bring hope and life to any situation. And right now, we just want to celebrate as all of heaven celebrates. Come on, church. Can we give God some praise? Awesome. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.